grab your favorite beverage, kick up your feet as you ascend with me into the joy portal of soul reflections, fresh perspectives, fun ideas, and wisdom. Light to light and heart to heart. Smile and breathe even deeper as together we will soar above the perception of all hurdles and shine brightly as the light we are. Namaste and welcome to Light Laughter and Lattes. My name is Jerry Habstreet. I'm an evasive quantum healer, medical intuitive, self-ascension intuitive counselor, and your host today for Light Laughter and Lattes. So welcome everyone on Oneness Talk Radio, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, I have the chat open, so you are welcome to jump in and say hi in the chat. I also have the phone lines open, so if you have any questions, you can call in, and I'll put the number below. It's 517-208-1500, so I have an excellent guest today that you may want to call and ask some questions, so please do, and if you're listening to this via podcast on Spotify or one of the other outlets, welcome, and come on over and catch us live on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So today is a great, great, great topic. And I'm excited about my host who has just written a book on the topic. Um, If you are in the path of upliftment or raising your consciousness or enlightenment or growth, you are fully aware of the journey of the ego and intuition, and which way should I go, and what do I listen to, and is it my conscious speaking, or is it my ego that's acting out? And there's this dance that happens that I have discovered is a constant dance. So hopefully today we can have some insight on that, some insight and how we can let our conscience lead us on the path of the most fulfillment the path of greater creativity and the path that we are we are choosing to go. So today I would like to um, bring in my guest. His name is Leonard Perlmutter or else Ram Lev. Um, he's the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute. He is a meditation teacher and author of a couple of books and the originator of National Conscious Month. So welcome, welcome, Leonard. Thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I I have to smile when I first read that you are the um, the originator of National Conscious Month, because it's just um, wouldn't it be our perfect goal to have everyone be conscious all the time, every day? That there there doesn't need to be a special month or occasion for it. Well, that's right, but that's not the case. So uh, it's an idea that I had for, gosh, maybe 15 or 20 years. And uh, uh, I finally decided in uh, 2020 to launch it. And this is our third annual National Conscience Month to teach people to uh, understand the conscience a little better and to use it and experiment with it and see how it makes them feel physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. 
Well, it's super timely because, and I think you you also touched on this on a little video that you have up on YouTube. There are so many distractions right now that are literally seeking to grab people's attention so that they're not conscious. And I don't even, I think most people aren't even aware of that's what it's exactly doing. It's taking people away of their center, their power of creation. It's taking their really their life force energy to be distracted and taken away from their, you know, their true power and creative gifts. Your comments remind me immediately of a conversation between a student and the compassionate Buddha. And the compassionate Buddha uh, was asked this question by the student. Student asked, are you God? No. Are you the Messiah? No. Are you an angel? No. Well, then what are you? And the reply was, I am awake. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I agree with you 100%. So many people, unfortunately, are on autopilot, skimming just the surface level of consciousness. And the problem with that is the unconscious portion of the mind, that would be our software package, that determines the thoughts we think, the words we speak, and the actions that we take. Because the unconscious is 90% stronger than even good intentions. And the problem with that is we have so many faulty concepts stored in the unconscious mind, you know, habits that we learn from mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or friends in school or politicians or the culture, uh, that we have so many faulty concepts stored in the unconscious mind, it causes a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Can can you share a little bit about, for people who might not be aware of the different parts of the mind and the part the conscious mind plays? Sure. I think that almost all of us had an intuitive feeling when we were kids that we have different voices in our mind. And as it turns out, that's absolutely correct. We do have many, many voices in our mind. And actually, we have four of them. And these are the four functions of the mind. And the mind is so interesting because we cannot take any actions. We cannot even speak unless and until we entertain a thought. So if I wanted to raise my hand, I first have to entertain a thought. So that means that the mind moves first. There's always a movement in the mind before there is a movement in the physical body. And of course, every action that we take brings about a consequence that can bring us the happiness, the security, the health that we deeply desire, or simply delay the prospect and instead 
very often we experience some form of pain. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We can learn about the different functions of the mind, the ego, the senses, and the unconscious portion, as well as the conscience. We sort of think that we have a working definition of the conscience. You know, the conscience is uh, uh, the person uh, that has uh, the, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Uh, but that's not what it is. The conscience is the only function of the mind, actually, that can make a decision. The other three functions, ego, senses, and unconscious mind, are simply advisors. They are lobbyists for their limited perspectives. And they're loud, and they're pushy, and they're insistent. And they create a tremendous amount of noise in the unconscious mind. And when there's so much noise, the conscience can still make the choice of what's to be done and what's not to be done. But in that case, when there's so much noise in the mind, the conscience is left with only one choice, and that is to give the good housekeeping seal of approval to the loudest voice. But if we can learn to parent the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind to state their perspective, we want to welcome them. We don't want to cut them out of the conversation. We invite them to speak their piece and let us know what their recommendations are. But then if we can parent them and train them to be quiet after they have made a presentation, then the conscience has an unbelievable capacity. It's like a mirror. When it's quiet in the mind and the lake of the mind is still, the conscience can reflect super conscious wisdom from the super conscious portion of the mind. That's beyond the conscious. It's beyond the unconscious. The superconscious portion of the mind at the core of our being is the same portion of the mind where Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies, where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations. So it doesn't mean that we're going to become physicists or uh, songwriters necessarily, but if we can learn to parent and quiet the ego senses an unconscious mind, and then the conscience can reflect superconscious wisdom that will tell us 24-7 what is the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take now in this present moment that will enable me to fulfill the purpose of my life without pain. So when you're talking conscience, um, is that another term for the soul's guidance? Absolutely. You see, the soul contains an intuitive library of wisdom. And that's the super conscious portion of the mind. 
The conscience is more like a TV. It can it can receive the signal and it can broadcast it into our conscious mind. So this wisdom of the soul is not the conscience, but the conscience is the conduit through which that wisdom of the soul makes its way into our conscious mind. Okay. So if someone out there, well, everyone out there, I'm sure, has a, has a pressing something or another, and they want their true guidance, not the guidance of the ego or the guidance of the the patterns <laughs> or, the, or the fear, whatever is driving, how do you know? How do you know if it's your conscience that's telling you to do something or if it's your ego telling you to do something? That's a great question because the ego, one of its talents is, uh, my, this is my experience, one of the talents of the ego is it's also a, a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> and it pretends to be the conscience. Mm -hmm. So the only way that we can know for sure is to experiment with things that are relatively easy. Start with no-brainers. If it's easy, it will be right for us. If it's right, it has to be easy. And if we can start off training the ego senses and unconscious mind to experiment with using the conscience as our guide during these easy types of experiments, the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind will have a pleasant experience. What does that mean? It means that they will trust us more. They will trust the conscience more. Because you see, especially the ego, but the senses and the unconscious mind also, they equate any form of change as some kind of death mm -hmm. to their control. What we are allowing them to do is experience a change that is pleasant. So they trust us a little bit more than they did yesterday. And it wasn't so difficult because they didn't have to buy into a lifetime of using the conscience. We tell them as their parent, this is just an experiment. Let's just see how you, it makes you feel. And if we don't give them too much to deal with, then it will be a pleasant experience. And that's something that we can build on. So can you give an example of just a little, um, a little test to see, to, to test whether you're using your conscious mind or it's the ego acting up? Sure. So let's say that we just finished dinner. It was a nice dinner. Everybody enjoyed it. And so then the question comes up, are we going to brush our teeth? So in that particular situation, I call a family meeting at the kitchen table. We all sit around the kitchen table. That's me, the parent, the ego, the senses, the unconscious mind, and the conscience. And I call on each one individually. What is your opinion? What is your perspective? Should we brush the teeth? Should we not brush the teeth? Let's start with the ego. Ego, what is your opinion? 
And what would the ego likely say? I'm against it. I equate any kind of change as some kind of a threat to my uh, control. I feel that it's, it's a death of some sort. So I vote no. Well, thank you very much for uh, sharing that. That's very nice. I appreciate, I appreciate your, your sharing that perspective. Now I'll ask you to sit down. I'll call on the senses. Senses? Should we brush the teeth? Should we not brush the teeth? And what does the senses say? I vote no. I vote no, just like the ego, because I don't want to brush the teeth. What I'm looking for is another slice of apple pie. Okay. Thank you. Now just sit down. And how about you, unconscious mind? How do you vote? What is your perspective? And the unconscious mind might say, well, I'm, I'm going to vote with the ego and the senses. I generally do. You see, all their habits are stored in me, the unconscious. So we often vote as a block, ego, senses, and unconscious. So I say no. Okay, well, everybody just be quiet. And in this quietude and stillness of the mind, I'm going to call on the conscience. And in that stillness, the conscience is going to be able to reflect super conscious wisdom from the center of our being, of our soul. Conscience, would you please give a report? And the conscience might say, well, look, I think at this point in our life, we realize that the life that we're living is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And for a marathon, we need strong, healthy teeth. We need strong, healthy gums. We need a strong, healthy immune system. And if we can just take a time out, just for a couple of minutes, go into the bathroom, brush the teeth, that will help us create stronger teeth, stronger gums, and a stronger immune system. So then it becomes my role as the parent here around the kitchen table to remind the ego, senses, and unconscious mind, this is not forever. This is just going to be an experiment. So let's just go in to the bathroom. It'll only take a couple of minutes, and we'll brush the teeth. And everybody goes in, we brush the teeth, we come back. Then I ask them, what did you experience? And the ego might say, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I always equated some kind of change with some form of death. But here I am. So I'm, I'm quite tickled. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, ego. What about you, senses? And the senses might say, well, I, I thought too that it was going to be uh, uh, not pleasant. But when the, when the uh, tongue began to roll over the front teeth, there was no mossy feeling. And I dislike that mossy feeling on my tongue, like on, my, on my teeth when I don't brush. So, yes, I, I think that I had a pleasant experience. Well, thank you very much. And what about you, unconscious? Well, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. So I have created a little beachhead with the ego senses and unconscious mind, and they trust me more today than they did yesterday. And they trust the conscience more today than they did yesterday. And that sets me up as the parent 
to present another easy, relatively easy experiment at another time so that the ego senses and unconscious mind can similarly have a pleasant experience. And the more that I can do that, at a certain point, the ego senses and unconscious mind will trust me when the issue is some emotionally charged, powerful force. And that is a game changer. That begins to change the software of the mind. Okay, so what you're doing is you're treating all the aspects of your mind and really um, I'm seeing it as the body, which you're calling the senses, and the ego, you're um, treating them as if they're children, you know, <laughs> and, and you're the wise parent, the conscious, l- listening to all the, <laughs> the chatter and the fears and whatever, and loving them enough so that they relax and can trust you as the wise, the wisdom holder, the, the soul. That's right. Because this is a lifetime relationship. We need an ego. You know, the ego is not always wrong. And neither is this. The senses aren't always wrong. And and the unconscious mind is not always wrong. But they're often wrong. And that's what brings so much pain in our lives. Is meditation then a tool that you use for this or this? Oh, absolutely. That really, that's the key. Because meditation, when we learn to meditate, several things happen. First of all, at will, we train the energy of the mind to become focused on only one object to the exclusion of everything else. And the more that we can train the mind to give its attention, the energy of its thought to one point, What that does is it automatically creates a space between stimulus and response. And what lies in that space between stimulus and response? My freedom of choice. My freedom of choice. So if I can create a space between stimulus and response, I now have the freedom to redirect my conscious mind toward the conscience to find out the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take in relationship to the stimulus that is appearing. And so I gain one-pointed attention, I gain creativity, and if I can follow through on the experiment, I'll create willpower, and an expansion of my creative capacity. Wow. um, Humanity at large is a long ways away from the the space between the stimulus and what was the other thing you said? And the response. And the response. Well, that's because the culture, to a great extent, is working against us. All of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky the culture comes up with this concept of multitasking. (laughs) Oh, everybody, we got to multitask. We got to multitask. But wait a minute. 
It's impossible for human beings to multitask in order to provide us the delusion that we're multitasking. What has to happen? Oh, adrenaline has to constantly surge throughout our entire physiology so that the mind can go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between two objects very quickly. And what's the consequence? It's depression. It's depression of the immune system and it's depression of the mind. Well, you, you, you mentioned something that's key to all this. Um, our physical bodies and humanity is addicted to the adrenaline. Our bodies yes. physically are addicted. So anytime, you know, it started with um, soap operas and then mm-hmm. it went to reality TV shows and then it became life became the reality TV show where the news changed and now we're living, you know, we're living a reality TV show and it's the, the drawing back. People are drawn back over and over and over to all the drama because of the, the um, adrenaline that's released from it all. And, and it's, it's pulling us away from the ability to be present, the ability to disconnect from that and be with ourselves. And so if I asked somebody if they would accept and swallow poison, they would say, oh, no, no, no. But that's what people are doing. They're, they have developed reactionary minds. The stimulus is there. And right away, the knee-jerk reaction is they just go for it. So, so part of the issue lies with our educational system. The only thing that our educational institutions have done for us is have taught us how to memorize somebody else's perspectives. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know if it's true or it's not true. But we memorize it, and then we're tested on it, and then we get a diploma, and then we get a good job. And that's it. Well, there must be more to life than that. And the conscience and understanding how to coordinate the ego senses and unconscious mind is really the key. So, gosh, time goes so fast. Okay. We have like four minutes left. If you could give the key, the key points for the listeners out there, they're saying, okay, I want, I want my conscience to drive the ship now. I've been living out of my ego, or, or maybe I've just been trying to be more conscious, but I'm, I'm struggling with the ego and wanting to know what is the key, key things that you would share? Well, the most important thing that I would share is that I, I would say to folks who are listening, don't believe a word that I have said. Don't believe a word of, that I have said. Don't be dependent on me or anyone else outside of yourself uh, for, for answers. But if you're interested in anything that Jerry and I have been talking about tonight, you can get the book, Your Conscience, and begin to experiment. There's a whole list of relatively easy ways that you can get started to experiment. And if you experiment, then you'll experience the truth for yourself. And that will create tremendous self-confidence 
Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean that you, you, you don't uh, still have and wear that, that hat that says on the front of it that you're a doubting Thomas. You, for a good scientist is always a doubting Thomas. So you're not a fool, you're not a sucker, but you are a scientist who is experimenting. So don't believe me, experiment in your own life, in your own relationships, and just see what has happened. That's what I've done. And it made me feel so good. I want to plant seeds. And that's what I'm doing tonight. Well, I mean, truly, this is the way to turn the world around. If we want a more harmonious world, if we want to change things, we need to be acting from a conscious space as opposed to massive ego, massive reaction, massive addiction. Consciousness is, is the path to, to, you know, turning all everything around. So, you know, thank you so much for your book and for writing this and for, you know, getting the world out, word out and, you know, creating a guidebook for people to be able to live a more conscious life. Well, thank you for participating in all that you do also, because you're, you're a Johnny Appleseed, just like I am. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oneness Talk Radio, hip, fresh, fun. Tune in to an honest portal of positivity 24-7. Experience unique talk radio from all around the planet, perfectly mixed with music that enchants your soul. Discover oneness moments as you relax into three to five minutes of divine inspiration. Claim your oneness today. Onenesstalkradio.com. One world, one voice. Expand your vision. <laughs>